Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Join me by uh, turning to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll look at verses 13 and 14. And uh, let me just put your heart at ease for a minute. You're like, boy, look at the time. Are we going to be here till noon? Well, no. If, if we are, it's because of the Lord. All right. So I, I gave up a little bit of sermon time uh, in communion, and that was a strategic. So, you know, we'll, we'll look at the word and... Uh, We'll uh, get out of here in time to get the next service in, but um, we'll start by looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Let's go ahead and we'll put that up on the screen. Let's look at that together. It says, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And we're um, going to really kind of look at something that I think is important. Maybe something that we don't think about very often. It's something that we are all doing, and we're doing it in a way that we don't even recognize because it's kind of normal and natural to our humanity. And as Paul is talking to young Timothy here, let me remind you these are very heartfelt words. You remember some of the things I shared with you a couple of weeks ago? You know, last week we were out of town visiting Emma. But two weeks ago as we looked at uh, verses 6 and 7 in this chapter, I reminded you this was the last letter that Paul wrote that's in the New Testament. Do you remember this? Pastor, why are we going over this again? Because I want you to know your Bible. <laughs> Can I just be honest for a minute? If I don't lead you into a place of deeper understanding of God's Word, I fail you as a shepherd. And you know, I hear all the time from visitors and people that watch us online, they're like, you know, um, your services are a little bit different. Your sermons are a little bit different. And the reason for that is because I hold a deep conviction that understands that I need to help you fall in love with God's Word. Because, you know, um, I'm not up here to be noticed. <laughs> um, I don't have one ounce of celebrity in me. In fact, you know, there's, there's a part of me that just kind of, it kind of doesn't like being in front, if I'm honest with you. And sometimes I ask you questions about what we've talked about before. It's because I want it. I want it to become a part of your memory and what you have in your heart. And the reason for that is this. 
you know, you find yourselves in situations on a daily and a weekly basis where you are alone. And, and, and I'm not there and others are not there. And when you are there to be light, you have to draw from the well of Scripture. Let me kind of come back around and get back on track. Paul is writing to Timothy from prison. His heart just says, Timothy, I want nothing more than to spend time with you again. But he can't. Because he's about to be executed for the gospel. And as he writes this letter, it's very heartfelt. You remember two weeks ago I told you that Paul is writing from the heart and not the head, right? And as he's writing from the heart a little bit later here in chapter 1, he is um, telling Timothy, be careful of what example you follow. You know, the whole purpose of this book is that the, 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 the church will be strong and thriving, it will be well led, and that it will continue to proclaim the gospel. And, 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 and Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you have to be careful of what example you follow. That's, that's why he says those words. You know, hold fast to sound words and, 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 and to the words that I have given to you as a part of my example. And, and this idea of following the example of, of something else or some other person is uniquely human. It's, 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 it's something that um, is not all that unusual. It's kind of a part of all of us. I'll share with you kind of a, a true but lighthearted story that illustrates that point. President uh, Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge, from 1923 to 1926 was the President of the United States. And there was a, a, a moment in his presidency where he invited some people from his hometown to have dinner at the White House. So all of these people from small town America are coming to Washington, D.C. To have, to have dinner with the president. And they don't know exactly what to make of it. It's one of these things that's like, we don't know what to do or how to behave, right? Have you ever been at a dinner like this? You know, there's a lot more pieces on the, on the table sitting in front of you than what you're used to. A lot more utensils and plates and cups. And let me just give you a word of advice. If, you, if you're there and you don't know what to do, yeah, start on the outside and work in. Okay, you'll, you'll, you'll pretty much stay on track. So as they're arriving to the White House, they just kind of uh, make this uh, agreement amongst themselves. They say, we're going to do whatever the president does. So they're seated and uh, coffee is served. And President Coolidge takes some coffee and he pours it into a saucer. 
Not a cup, a saucer. And everybody around the table, they pour coffee into their saucer because they're going to do what the president has done. And then the president adds some milk and some sugar to the saucer. So everybody around the table adds some milk and some sugar to the saucer. And they're now assuming in their minds that he's going to sip from the saucer because maybe this is the high society thing to do in Washington, D.C. The president picks up the saucer and he doesn't sip from it, but he puts it down on the floor and he calls the cat. And at that point, they abandoned their strategy and... uh, They probably followed the president's example to some degree for the rest of the night, but they had certainly gained an acute sense of awareness. You know, this is kind of a human thing. You know, we we emulate, we imitate, we follow the example of others. You know, when I was a a a young boy, we we followed the example and we, we imitated our favorite baseball players. You know, we We played baseball every day of the summer. And every day throughout the year when it was warm, there was always a baseball game going on in our neighborhood. There was one empty lot, one grass lot, and we played it so much that the base paths were worn into the empty lot as ruts. And uh, for me personally, I had had two players that I emulated. One was... Uh, Lou Gehrig, he was, you know, uh, a baseball player from the past at that point, a New York Yankee. I wasn't real excited about that fact. I'm not a Yankee fan. But I used to sit in the school library, and I used to read baseball history books like crazy. And I played first base. Lou Gehrig played first base. He was the iron horse. He He held the record for many, many decades of the most games played consecutively. And I thought, you know what, that's good. I want to be like that. I want to to be faithful and engaged. And and then he had kind of a tragic end to his baseball career because he he had what's now referred to as Lou Gehrig's disease come upon him. And and it, it robbed him of his physical ability to play baseball. And there's this classic scene in old Yankee Stadium where he's standing at home plate in front of microphones. It's his last game. The stadium is filled. And he basically says, you know, some people say that, um, you know, today is a bad day because I'm being forced to end my playing career. He said, but I believe that today is a day that reminds me that I am the luckiest man in the world because he got to do what he loved I thought you know what that's that's good character I'm going I want to play baseball like that guy be like that guy and the other more contemporary one was Andre Dawson who remembers Andre Dawson anybody yeah you know I was 10 years old in 1984 when the Cubs first disappointed me lost to the Padres I should have went to the World Series Andre Dawson became a Cub from the uh, Expos, and his nickname was the Hawk. That's a pretty cool name for an outfielder. It was the Hawk because he had a strong arm, and he was able to 
launch the baseball back into the infield and throw people out as they were trying to get another base or score. And he had this very unique throwing motion in that when Andre Dawson threw, he reached all the way back. And, and if you watch it in slow motion, it's like his hand almost drug on the grass behind him. And he came around in a full motion and he gunned that ball. It's very accurate, very feared. And as a young boy, I, I emulated that. On occasion when I got thrown out into right field, I'm like, I'm going to throw the ball like Andre Dawson. Gun it in there, because you're not going to take another base on me. You know, so this is really kind of a part of our humanity, isn't it? You know, as, as, as I said that, you're maybe thinking of musicians or performers or uh, maybe even friends or relatives that at one point you said, you know what, I want to be like them. There was something admirable in them. And that's okay. But Paul is reminding Timothy that there is one that we are to imitate who reigns supreme over all of the others. And that's Christ. And he's reminding him of this because, in essence, he's saying, Timothy, you know, the, 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 the church is not going to be strong and thriving. It's not going to be well-led. It's not going to proclaim the gospel if we don't imitate the one who saved us. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul kind of expands the idea a little bit more. And he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is the standard that's being raised in our text today. That, you know, as, as, as we are young in the world and we see people around us who are admirable, we at some point say we want to be like them. But then as we come to faith in Christ and we recognize that He reigns supreme over all, there is a shift that must take place within the heart and it must permeate throughout the whole church that says this, I want to be like Him. I want to be like Him. So in essence, what Paul is giving us here is a pattern. In fact, that's the very word that he used. That's the word that kind of stood out to me. In verse 13, he says to hold fast the pattern. The pattern of what? Sound words. Or your Bible might say sound doctrine. That's interchangeable. In other words, there's this essence of now your life is to be centered around truth. A truth that you are to hold on to, a truth that you are to preserve, a truth that is to be something that weathers the circumstances of life because it has become who you are. A pattern of sound words. And because of that, Timothy, don't embrace everything that you see, but rather discern what you should hold on to. What does that discernment look like? Well, it looks like holding on to the things that are, are accurate, the things that are true, the things that are sound, the things that are beneficial, and rejecting everything else. And I want to say this to us as the church today, as we live in the hour that we live in today, there are many things that we could look to emulate. 
but only emulate and hold on to those things that are accurate and true and sound and beneficial that are found in Christ. Because everything else is secondary. So let's boil it down to a phrase. Okay? And I trust this will stick with you. The phrase is this. Value nothing more than the truth. Value nothing more than the truth. So what does this pattern look like? So just so you know where we're going, we're going to talk about a pattern here and then we're going to get really super practical. Okay, because I want you to leave here today implementing some things. So here's the pattern of truth. It, it, it's not necessarily tradition. You know, that's kind of a human tendency too, right? We just do things because that's the way we've done it. Right? <laughs> Heard the story of a... Of a a young girl that grew up and at every holiday when her mom made a ham, the ham came to the dinner table with the ends cut off. So as the young girl grows up and starts making ham for her holiday gathering, she, she cuts the ends off. And then one day she asks her mom, Mom, why are you supposed to cut off the ends of the ham? And the mom says, well, I only did it because I didn't have a pan big enough for the whole ham to go into <laughs> you know, sometimes things just become tradition, don't they? They just become a, kind of become a, a pattern that we fall into. And, 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 and you know what? They, they may not necessarily be something that we are to, to esteem. Because there's a pattern of truth that he's talking about. That we need to guard and, 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 and preserve. And, and having a life that is centered around truth is our pursuit and it's something we are to maintain as a standard and it's timeless. I want you to write down a, a passage of scripture from the gospel of Matthew that you can look at because it, it, it speaks of this to some degree. Matthew chapter 7 verses 13 through 27. It's lengthy but uh, loaded. Jesus here is talking a lot. There's a lot of red words in, in Matthew chapter 7. And begins with an exhortation to ask and to seek and to knock. And that carries with it kind of this idea of a, uh, a continued petition. Not a one-time thing, but a regular thing. And, and, and here's the reason why. You know, the, the, the Word of God is the standard of truth. As we incorporate it and as we live by it, that process begins by encountering it through fellowship with Him. Asking, seeking, knocking. When you get down to verse uh, 15, there's there's kind of this uh, exhortation to be discerning because Jesus talks about how bad trees bear bad fruit and good trees bear 
good fruit. In other words, we cannot always just take things at face value, but we ask and we seek and we knock so that we can become discerning. Because bad trees that bear bad fruit get chopped up and thrown into the fire. So we don't want to be connected to that kind of a vine because it's not life-giving. It might seem good and appropriate in the moment. But in the end, if it bears bad fruit, it's something that we should avoid. And, 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 and we, can, we, can, we can justify living by a, 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 a non-truthful truthful standard to the degree that we become self-deceived, Jesus says later on in Matthew chapter 7. Because that's where he gives, you know, three of the scariest verses in the whole Bible. Listen to them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we uh, not done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practiced lawlessness, self-deception. You know, the power and the truth of God's Word, you know, still being manifest even in its declaration from those who are far away from the Father's heart. And then on that day when they expect to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, they hear the words, I did not know you. So we need to value nothing more than the truth. And, and how do you know if you're valuing the truth high and above every other thing? Well, Paul, back in, in our text, says this. He says, it's not only... Um, revealed by, by what you say and what you believe, but in how you live. Because he talks about a faith and a love that are found in the Lord Christ Jesus. So that's where the transformation has been being revealed. We, 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 we embrace the standard of truth. We come to Christ, and then it begins to change our hearts so that there is a faith that is produced and there is a love that is being revealed. And you can't have one without the other. So how careful must we be? I want to say very careful. Because, you know, the Bible very clearly says we can drift. Hebrews 2.1 Therefore we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift. Life can get going. Things can happen. Our focus can be uh, consumed. And, and, and uh, you know, that kind of creates a context for our hearts to begin to slowly drift away from some things that we used to esteem as important. Why Paul says to Timothy, follow my example in that which is in Christ Jesus. 
we have to be careful to be precise. This kind of struck me, and Thursday night didn't get this, so this morning you guys and maybe second service are going to, but is that I was thinking about this over the weekend after having preached it once. I, I asked you know, the question, how careful do we need to be to guard ourselves against a, a, a drifting and following a, an example that is lower than Christ? And I was taken back into Exodus and into, num- into Numbers when, when the, the people were being given instruction. It's instruction from the law. It's instruction on how to build the temple. It's instruction on, on o- obeying the commandments that God was giving the people as they were preparing to go into the promised land. And you see a phrase repeated over and over and over again that is precise. The Lord gave the instruction and then when the people responded, it would say, they did just as the Lord had commanded. (laughs) And that added greater value to some things that I oftentimes saw as maybe a little easier to read through quickly. You know, because I'm not the only one, right, that when I get into Numbers and Exodus that you see, like, here's the plans for the temple. You need 17 gold rings. You need certain kind of thread, whatever, whatever. You know, it's like, that's good, It's interesting, a lot of symbolism, but then for the first time I saw how they were responding to what God was saying, and they did precisely what the Lord commanded them. I thought, whoa, that's good. So how careful must we we be very careful because our hearts are prone to drifting. We must be precise we must have the right spirit, the spirit of faith. It's not anchored in tradition or preference, but rather a spirit that says, I'm going to stand firm, even in the dark hour of itchy ears and winds of doctrine. Because he talks about that two chapters later from where we're at, as what will define the days that we're in. And then love, loving the Lord and loving people. So why refocus on that reality today? Well, it's just for the simple reminder. You're not called to be idle. You're not called to drift, but you're called to hold fast. Hold fast. To live a standard. standard that holds to sound words a pattern of encountering the truth of scripture and being changed by it so here's where i'm going to get practical okay i'm going to lay out some very simple things that you can implement into your daily life that will help to facilitate what Paul was talking about. And I'm going to give you a few, so you may hear one and go, well, that doesn't really resonate with me, but you know what, something will. And I want us all to leave here today just kind of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a, a new step. I'm going to embrace something new, because I believe there's good that will come from it. and It's going to really revolve around um, 
practical choices that we make and things that will lead us into embracing and receiving the truth of God's Word. And uh, the first one is this. Make a choice to read God's Word first. Now, I'm assuming that you are reading God's Word. So if you're not, I would add to it, start. And here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, uh, I love a lot of the tools that we have today. Um, you know, and, and, and I enjoy, you know, listening to other teachers and all of the publication that is out there and all of the resources that we have to encourage us. But I, I just, I have to say this, they don't replace you opening this book and reading it. This needs to be first. So make a choice to read God's word first. And, and, and let me just uh, give you something very, very practical, very literal. I'm going to interpret it. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you know it, so go ahead and say it. And all these things shall be added unto you. So I just want to say this. First means first. <laughs> first means first. Practically make it the first thing you do during the day. Psalm 63, verse 1, David writes, Early will I seek you. <laughs> Proverbs eight seventeen says, Those who seek him early will find him. Read the word of God at the beginning of the day. So I want to take an informal survey because this is just a curiosity. Who has a habit of reading God's word in the morning? Okay. Who has a, word of a habit of reading God's word in the evening? Okay. It's always good to be in God's word. But let me just encourage the, you in this. If you've not been starting your day with a verse or a chapter, just this next week, give it a shot. Because it, 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 it'll change the direction of your day. Why? Because it, it edifies this and this. And you know, the, 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 the days when I am not starting with the word first, uh, you know, that first challenging situation that I encounter, I find it more difficult. And I kind of stumbled into this. And time is going fast, don't worry, we're, we're on track. Because, you know, back to patterns, we follow the patterns that we observe oftentimes. And I, I did that as a young boy. When I was growing up, in my younger years, my mom and my sister and I, we lived with my grandparents. And my grandfather was a trucker, Rockford to Milwaukee. And he had really weird hours. But he was always home in the morning when we were getting ready for school. 
because it was right before he was going back to bed to get some rest, but he always came home, sat in his uh, easy chair, and had a newspaper in front of him. You remember what those are, right? Yeah, they made your fingers black. <laughs> and, and I just saw this day after day after day. And you know what? As I became an adult, I inadvertently adopted that pattern. And it wasn't with the newspaper, but I would get up in the morning and I would turn on my laptop and, you know, and I would have a cup of coffee or whatever I was doing. I would be looking at my laptop, reading the headlines of the day. And that's not a bad thing, but I came to a moment where the Lord said, I want you to shift that pattern because I want you to read my word before you read the news. It, 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 cha it changed me. Because I was no longer being consumed by what the current events were. I was being encouraged by the word of God. So very practically, you know, make a choice to read God's word first. And by that, I mean first in the day. And then here's the next practical step. Establish a plan that prayerfully applies God's word. All right? It is good to read. It is better to understand and to do. Here's the way it oftentimes works. You read the Scripture and something jumps out at you. You've read, it, you've read it ten times and you see something new. That's the Holy Spirit. That's why in, 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 in verse 14, um, Paul is telling Timothy, by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, so make note and pay attention to, to what the Holy Spirit is drawing your attention to. And then make it a part of your prayer life. Write it down. Listen to the voice of God and pray. Matthew 4.4 4, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. <laughs> what sustains you? It's every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And here's one way that you, uh, you help make that a reality. You, you, you make that time a moment where you have minimized distractions. That's why the morning is oftentimes the best. The phone is turned off. The radio is not on. You don't have somewhere to be immediately. Because you know what happens. Your mind just becomes distracted. And you start to think about all the things you need to do. Or then you begin to think about all the things you forgot to do. <laughs> you ever been there? Yeah. And, and I literally find myself on a regular basis where I'm having to tell my mind, focus on the word. Ear, hear the voice of the Spirit. So establish that plan. 
And maybe you've got a plan, but let me encourage you, the Lord can make it better. You know, so as you're listening to this today, listen to that voice that's just maybe enhancing something that you're already doing. And then as you come out of that, and you begin to go about the day, you begin to live out life, decide to start a new habit. This is the application side of it. Decide to start a new habit. And do it with this understanding. Change isn't easy, but it isn't impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. Your thinking can change. Your heart can change. Your attitude can change. In, in, in encountering God's Word will inevitably bring us to those moments where we are turning away from something and we are pressing in to Him. I want to give you an example of how I saw this taking place recently. It was a, a men's prayer meeting on Saturday about, I don't know what it was, three or four weeks ago maybe. And uh, at 7 a.m. every Saturday, we've got a men's group here praying. Men, I want to invite you to be there. It's good. Good times of prayer, good times of interaction. If your schedule is filled, you know, come and, 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 and be a part of that. But this particular morning, there was um, a brother who shared something that, that just, I mean, it, just, it was one of those things, I just kept thinking about it. Because it was so on target and so relevant to today. And it was an exhortation to not bear false witness. Which we all know is a bad thing. You know, bearing false witness, that's not good. That's the easy sell part of it. But the conversation among the men began to take it to a deeper place. Because you might think of that, oh, that's just a court of law kind of thing. You know, bearing false witness and testimony. But it's the kind of thing that, number one, God valued enough to make it part of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, the Ninth Commandment. Exodus chapter 20. But then it's this everyday application that, that says the words that I speak must be truthful. And I can't speak of things as if they were true if I don't know they are. Do you see the responsibility that we have? Because of who we represent, it even influences the words that we speak to the degree that we don't just jump in to the conversation that is going on around us because it's relevant and because it's just the thing that everybody is talking about. But rather we understand that the way that we talk must be truthful to the degree that when we speak something, others should know with confidence that it is true. Think about this for a minute.
Think about this in relation to politics. Think about this in relation to coronavirus. Think about this in relation to issues going on within our community. Church, we cannot put speculation and opinion at the same level of truth. And when we do so, we're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. So here's what we've got to do. Man, our, you know, we're to be those who pursue truth. So when we hear something, you know, don't just parrot it, but rather look into it. Is the statement true? Is the data correct? Is, 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 is this really you know, something that is, is, is worthy of our time? And if it is, shout it from the mountaintops. And if it's not, when you hear somebody else talking about it as if it were true, share the truth to shine a light. We've got to be careful. Within the church, we are not parrots. We're not parrots. We are those who hold fast to sound words. Okay, take a deep breath. All right? We're all guilty of that, every one of us, right? So it's like as the Lord just kind of starts to deal with the heart. You know, we just say, you know what, Lord? I'm, I hear what you're saying. And I'm going to pursue a higher standard. Two more things. We'll dig a little bit deeper here and then we'll, 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 we'll wrap it up. Make the choice to read God's Word first. Establish a plan that prayerfully applies God's Word. Decide to start a new habit. And then I want to throw something out here that's going to be really unpopular. If we were voting on this, you would not say yes as your first impulse. Okay, because I want to talk about fasting. It's not a part of the everyday life of the Western church. We always think about it in context of food, and, and, and maybe it does have application there for some of us, but I want us to broaden that context to uh, just something else that you do throughout the day. You know, as we move into this week, as we move into another week of prayer, skip something for a day. It might be a meal, it might be a phone. It might be just a routine. You ask the Lord what it needs to be. Because when we take the step of entering into a, 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 a fasting relationship with the Lord, what we are doing is we are demonstrating that we are not controlled by anything, but we are His. We are His. And I hear all the time, Oh, I got control over my phone. I got control over my social media. I, I, I got control over, you know, this routine of my day. I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm in the driver's seat. And I want to just say this. 
prove it. Give it up for a day. And I'm not picking on any certain things here, but I want you to look at your life through a lens that just says, I am not going to be controlled by anything. And when you do this, you're going to begin to enhance, you're going to fill that space with things that feed your soul. More time in the Word, more time in prayer, more time in fellowship with the saints, more time of service in doing something else. And then the last thing that that will lead you to is just going deeper, pressing in. You know, beyond a fast, whatever the Lord shows you during the fast, pressing into it. Pressing into it. So I'm going to just really have to kind of consolidate this thought here for a minute because we're running out of time, but... um, I want you to know this, every time you hold fast to sound words, it's going to draw you to a deeper place. And when that, that momentum is building in your life, go with it. Go with it. Because I'll close with this phrase, in doing so, in going deeper, in pressing in, what happens is you are guarding the investment of your life. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 and 13. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's works will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work. Of what? sort it is. I don't know if you notice, but the word day there is capitalized because when when Paul says the day, he's talking about the day. Like the day before the great white throne. When our lives are, are, are going to be revealed in their totality. And there's this there's this um, picture that, you know, there's some things of this life that are going to be burned away because they're not precious or eternal but there are things that will remain and they're like gold and silver and precious stones and when we hold fast to sound words and raise a standard of truth in our life that deepens our faith and causes us to love like Christ loved. We're building our lives around things that are precious. And I want you to guard the investment of your life today. We're called to be faithful to do the part that God has given us to do. So let's build our lives on the things that remain. And go deeper. And I don't care what leg of the journey you're on. 
God has something for you. He does. So we need to close. So why don't you join me by standing? Go from listening to reflecting. So before the Lord, would you just humble yourself? Would you bow your head? Begin to take a posture of prayer. And I'm going to just offer you a couple of questions as you ask the Lord to speak to you. And those questions are, you know, have you been holding fast to sound words? Do you need to establish new choices that will lead you to the truth? New habits. Daily. Not just Sunday morning, but daily. And Lord, I pray right now. You know, that as we weigh and measure these things, Lord, may you speak to us. May your word speak to us as we leave this room. You know, may, may this be a week, Lord, where uh, we follow your example to a greater degree. We become more like you. Thank you for worship. Thank you for time in the word. And communion. And I pray that as we go, may we go in your grace and in your peace. May you watch over us and keep us. May you bring us back again very soon and safely. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock, and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.